Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Chad Hawk, and I have a very special guest on Renegade Atlas today. Um, we're joined by James Thornton, and he we've known each other for about two years, give or two, take. About two Almost three years now. Almost three years. Almost three. So today on Renegade Atlas, charting a new path for your life, we're going to be exploring um, a part of the community that will specifically be referencing Kansas City, but in a lot of communities that I think has been ignored, and perhaps in some ways the the wool's been pulled over their eyes to what may be going on, but we'll find that out. So James, why don't you give me a little bit of your story in life? What brought you to where you're at today? Um, you know, what's your life experience? Uh, well, my life experience, you know, I grew up in Kansas City, South Kansas City to be exact. Uh, you know, I went to private school pretty much my whole life until my senior year. Uh, my dad had cancer. I wanted to spend more time with my father. So he taught at an inner city school. So I just told my mom, I was, I pretty much told my mom I was transferring Yeah. in, in October. Uh, you know, that didn't go over too well, but she said, you know, you're able to make your own decisions at that time. So I made that decision to transfer and then, you know, made, made a lot of lifelong friends. Yeah. And, you know, for a for a black man, it really opened my eyes uh, of just the difference that uh, in education and and just life that, you know, like the privileges I, I had and compared to, you know, other people that I probably went to school with. OK. And that and, and today, what are you doing today? So I'm a paraprofessional at Paseo Academy. Um so I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much just a utility guy. So <laughs> I, I'm, I sub some days, I help some days with other teachers. I call students to make sure since we're in virtual learning right now, I call students to make sure that they're just doing okay. So, I mean, I'm pretty much like over the community of the school kind of, I guess you could say. Yeah. You kind of plug yourself in a whole bunch of different areas. Every, every, every place I, I can be at, I'm the, 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 the administration just, says hey Mitchell Thorne can you can you do this and it's kind of yeah for sure because I love the kids so whatever helps the kids out I do it yeah and this has been a huge eye-opening experience um you started doing this last year right yes sir yeah so you started last year pre-covid mm -hmm. and now you're starting this new school year up in the middle of covid you yeah. went through the whole shutdown and everything last year um what what's changed as far as your role and your how you see the kids between the pre-covid and today what's different um to, to be honest like even talking to my other friends that are teachers uh they just they're happy to talk to you you know some days when you get used to seeing a person and you yep. know it's kind of like ah he's nagging me or she's nagging <laughs> me they're they're really more receptive and they miss school. Um, but the other part is like, I don't see the kids right now. Uh, I mean, I see one kid cause I actually coach them for like AAU and stuff like that. Besides that, uh, I don't see the kids. I, I just call and if, and if I'm subbing, I see them on the Microsoft team screen. But outside of that, I don't really get to fully interact with the kids yeah. as much. In a way, are you getting a, a vision into what their life is really like that you, perhaps you didn't see as much of before? Uh, from from talking to students on the phone, for sure. Really? Like, uh, you know, some students 
would open up and uh, like while we're in like bef- like last year, they will open about certain things. Not from their friends, of course, but like will open up about certain things like what's going on in their home life. But now uh, if you're calling and you're talking to a parent, maybe not as much. So, you know, like I'm, I don't want to say like a certain instance, but I before COVID happened, it was literally the week like week before we went to spring break. And that's when everything shut down. Right. So my last day was on a Thursday because one of the uh, administration at the schools I coach at and I was up there every day. One of the guys got COVID, so I had to let my administration know. Um, so you then you me? you couldn't show up anymore. So I can't. So on that so on that last Friday, uh, one of the the young ladies uh, that I that I know, she ended up getting raped by one of her uncles. So the only thing I could do was really like I can't go up to the school to talk to a social worker. So I had to just call my dad, the social worker, just blowing up their phone like, "Hey, this is what I heard. This needs to be done. Wow. Take care of the. Can you take care of this?" So now I don't know what happened after that because i mean once it's out of my hands after right that, right but you know just under knowing in the district i work in uh sometimes school is just an escape so yeah and so the kids are not getting that escape right now in your district because it's all distance learning all distance learning and some of these kids are now at home or at a place where they can struggle with things like food and electricity, electricity, water, internet, and just the basic essentials of life. Yeah. And as I think sometimes with this COVID shutdown, people don't realize just the how big and how important, uh, not so much the education part about school, but just the building itself. Like sometimes kids need those two like that's why they come for breakfast and lunch like well for breakfast for sure because you get lunch no matter what but for that's two meals at least uh you know at least you get a you know wash your hands or you get to you know socialize with people your age and kind of get away from what's going to happen in life i mean happen when you get in life that you leave school you know sure it's just it's the, the tough stuff that people don't really talk about so during the COVID, yeah, how, how has this impacted you? Because you didn't grow up in that type of an environment, and you went to one year of school where you may have seen kids in those circumstances, but now you're in a position of authority and responsibility, where you're trying. And I know your heart. Yeah, you're trying to reach out and help and meet needs. Like yeah. you were telling me a little bit ago, you said, you know, I'm driving books around, I'm driving this around, I'm trying to make sure the kids have have what they need, and that's a lot on your shoulders. Yeah, uh, I think from from that one year to me now growing up as you know, me being 18 years old, you know, you see it, but you fully don't understand it, or maybe I was just so, you know, privileged my own self of the life I lived. I probably, you know, I mean, to be honest, I probably just didn't care that much sure. until you get older and you realize like, dang, like these is like, now I understand certain stuff that that happens. Like when kids don't have the same innocence as other kids that live in a better school district or have a better, not better, but just more privilege, more money. Like they, they don't have to worry about so much stuff. So it is, it's, it's really eye opening to see like, Man, these kids are kind of like they they seen more stuff than I have in my yeah, 27 right. years of life. So, right. I can understand like you know why some days you might come in upset. Yeah, 
probably would too. I probably would be agitated if I can't, you know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying that's every single kid in our district, but I do understand that it is some kids and, you know, I can understand why they're coming agitated some days or don't want to work or they're tired. They're stressed out. And that makes, and then think about this schools, you got to be up at five o'clock, five 30 to get ready for, to hop on the school bus. So you're not sleeping. Any of the little sleep that you do get, it gets disrupted because you got to be up early in the morning. So that brings up uh, a question that has kind of gone around in my mind. And that is, we know that uh, some women and kids have been in bad situations because uh, with jobs shutting down and perhaps the, the, the guy who lives in the house is angry and mean, and now there's no escape getting to school. So there, those kids could be more subject to harm and abuse for sure. And uh, we know we've seen big spikes in that across the board in all demographics and it's tragic. And my kind of where my question to you, and this is a huge open-ended question is this whole generation, this group of kids, how do they adapt and come out? You know, what are some of the things culturally that are going to make a huge shift? What are maybe your opinion on what's holding back right now? So what are holding the kids back? And then what do they need to emerge from this and not allow the same pattern to repeat in their life? Um, and this is not, and remember everything I'm saying, this is literally not for every single family in my school district or every single family in, in general. Uh, what I can see is for sure more research on imp- the nuclear family of having a true nuclear family. I think a lot of stuff that happens is that we don't always have a honest father, a true mother and kids. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. I think that does play a huge, huge part in, you know, in child development, seeing like love and just how, true, how you relate to others and yeah, responsibility like, and just in growing up being a, uh, a true citizen of the United States, pretty much like education is number two. I think just understanding, like getting, um, getting the most out of it. Okay. Getting the most out of it. Uh, it's, is not, I know going to college is probably a little bit harder for kids in my district. Cause you're not, you know, we don't have the same, uh, books or just the teachers are, are great. Uh, but it's just, uh, Curriculum's really not that great, I guess you could say. Okay. It doesn't it doesn't push kids to as I seen with I mean, I went to private school and other my friends who were in suburban schools, that it's just not it's just not the same. Uh and there's I think it's also from like a, a standpoint of hoping that you guys fix the kindergarten, first grade, second grade, the primary school, so like so you can improve high school and middle school and stuff like that. Yeah, well. you got to start with like a general the early yeah. kids to yeah. carry that system through. And uh, three is uh, I think a, a mental health thing, like understanding. Uh, yeah. You know, I think my generation is doing a really, really great job of stressing mental health. Okay. Prior to other generations, that you know, for sure in the black community, if you were depressed or you know sad or anything to that extreme that kind of 
said, you know, that's that's a white person thing, quote unquote, you know, the, the black people don't get depressed. But, you know, then you also know same communities. You might have an uncle that's a, you know, functional alcoholic or, you know, might be doing really, really hard drugs because they did not understand how to cope with depression or cope with, you know, having PTSD. Right. And, I mean, doesn't and the PTSD doesn't just come from war. It's just no. any super traumatic event that you just really don't know how to cope with. And I think those are the the, the three biggest things is understanding like uh, nuclear family, education, and mental health. And the mental health one might I mean, all these are are big things, but the mental health thing is for sure the biggest thing that I think is just understanding it's okay to get help. And there's a lot of uh, free programs for people who don't make a, a certain amount of income that will that, that you'll get a therapist and everything. So just using those services while, you know, you understand that, like, it can go worse if you don't get it fixed. Yeah. Yeah. And this is kind of a, an interesting question for me. And this is kind of just me wondering out loud. So I was just thinking about how typically the black community is known for its more uh, faith-centered, you know, congregations or groups uh, that seem to be tighter. Now, I'm comparing that to like a suburban community or something like that. Um, how do how does that role in the black community minister to or reach out or tie into these very things you're talking about? Nuclear family education and mental health. Ooh. Uh, for one, like just like as all Christians, we know like there's also pastors who also do it for the wrong reasons. Uh, so, you know, for, for instance, my, my father, he has a, he has a house that helps, you know, drug addict families. Uh, I mean, drug addicts get clean and, you know, they help them apply for jobs they let them stay there for the first certain amount of time so they can get money so they can get back on their feet. So um, I think the biggest thing is just churches. Have, I mean, like you said, church for me, churches have to do more and understand, like, you know, maybe there's a night that you guys open up and have kids there. And, you know, of course, you do your COVID guidelines to make sure everybody's safe. But uh, you know, kids come in there. So maybe you have youth night, but maybe you also, instead of having youth night, maybe they, they just come on there just to get a meal or maybe they come down there just to congregate with other kids, their age. So they're not really going stir crazy in the house and not being around kids. Uh, I know one of the kids I coach, I, I talk to his dad often and, you know, he said he just misses his friends. That's the biggest thing is like, you know, he just missed his friends while, and we couldn't practice or anything like that. So, you know, I might stop by and, you know, give him some food. But, you know, I'm quintessentially an old man to them now. So, like, you know, I'm 27 and I'm considered old. Like, I'm an old man to other uh, guys in high school and 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds. But, you know, just I think having having a way that we can minister to kids but also have kids be around kids. Yeah. You know what we never said is – you played basketball and you coach basketball. Yes, sir. We we failed to say that. Yes, so sir. that's when you're talking about coaching, mm -hmm. you coach basketball. Yes, sir. And uh, I think the audience, if you ever get a chance to see this guy on the court, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> um, yeah. 
<laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, come on, <laughs> man. When these knees are warmed up and you know I'm, I'm feeling really good, those are the great days. Now the other days, when I'm just ah, those be rough. Those yeah. days are rough. So, um, you know, if I were to throw this out at you and say, who's better equipped to help community today? Is it the church or the government? Church. Why? Uh, is people that on a regular, I think is the church has regular people. Uh, I mean, me, it's funny. Me and my girlfriend is always, uh, uh, we're always talking. So we were even last night I said, you know, you can always get government assistance from whoever is in office. They're always going to be government. It's a great way to buy a vote, isn't it? Great way to buy a vote, but it's always going to be there. Yeah. Always. And I, something, and, yeah. I, and I don't mean by vote and I don't necessarily mean that in a derogatory way. Oh, no, no, for sure. It's just, you know, you're, if you want a tax rebate and some politician is saying, if you buy a house, I'm going to give you $20,000 off of your taxes. You're going to vote for them. They're for sure. buying your vote for sure because they're supporting a plan that's going to advance you in your life for sure. And I mean, there's no, I mean, there's no nothing, anything that they do or say, there's nothing negative but I also understand like government assistance and all the other stuff that's part of the government that that will always be there no matter what, no matter to whatever level it is, it will always be there. Right. But you know, the church is, if there's, if they really care about, you know, kids or the community there, they will be there. And those are real people. Those are people actually in your community. Those are people that probably went to the same school that you went to go to the same grocery store that you go to probably seen your parents grow up, you know, yeah. like, I mean, so I think I, I will always leave it with real people other than, you know, people that don't really know you. Well, one is meant to be the hands and feet of Christ mm -hmm. living out here in the world. And the other is this cobbled together organization of man-made thing, True. people, uh, organizations trying to run a country. True. <laughs> you know, that's a big difference. Super big difference. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so today, um, if you were to tell the, the listeners something that they can do to make an impact in whatever community they're in, mm -hmm. if you, if you had a, a chance to say something to anybody and say, Hey, look, be aware, maybe you can do this or you can do that, or you can put some energy in this direction, or maybe give some money in this direction, or just go spend some time. What would that be? Uh, I have probably two things for sure. Okay. Um, I know a lot of people are into donating, but researching what you donate to, or if you do donate, actually donate to a true foot soldier in the community. Mm -hmm. And a foot soldier to me is a person who are dealing with that certain amount of, you know, if you donate to a certain organization, you true, if you don't know that, that person directly is, I mean, I want to say that's the best choice. Actually go to someone who actually deals with kids or deal with the community or actually helps homeless people. I think that's the biggest thing. If you do donate your dollar, know where your dollar is actually going to. Because that's great that you're doing a, you know, you're being a servant to, to Christ and helping the community. But that dollar doesn't get to be used if it's not being properly used. Right. Uh, right. And then two. uh 
you know, just the the time finding finding something that might actually help a person, you know, reaching out to uh, a certain organization. Uh, you know, I, I do a lot of mentoring. So, you know, I, you know, right now for the one, the mentoring programs I'm in, I, I can't see the kids, but, you know, I try to call and make sure everything's okay at home. So just, you know, trying to find a program or just a kid that might go to your church and you might see, see like, man, he, he might need help. Like, let me reach out to him. I think that's the biggest thing is just knowing where your actual dollar that you do donate, where it's actually going into just giving your time. Cause I think that's the most Christ-like thing is just. I agree. I think that, um, I, I would say even more than money, you know, that individual attention you can give a person. Yep. Goes um, a long way. Boy, that, that's life transformative. Yes. And uh, I, I really believe that a lot of the institutionalized programs we have today, while they may be trying to fill a void, I believe that it's you and I mm-hmm. can go much, so much further, Way further than any institutional program. Um, and it's hard work, but I would rather invest the time energy myself than depend on somebody else to do it for me. You know, mm-hmm. where I can, I can't do everything. No, sure. And then uh, one of my mentors, Albert Collins, he always told me, like, if you it's kind of like a spider web, uh, you help one person that that one person might help five. Yeah. That that one person of the five might help five and then maybe all those five help five and just it just grows. So, you know, you just being a blessing to one person, you don't know how that's going to bless another person in 50 years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I know that you do that. So thank you, James. Um, is there any final thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners about anything? Uh, just, I mean, to be honest, no, I mean, I'm, I'm happy that you had me on the show. Uh, you know, I just would want people just to, you know, during this time of for sure, continue to pray for people, uh, to, like I said, mental health is a biggest, like a big thing going on right now. Like you said, domestic violence. And then I think of the uptick in just mental, uh, you know, not of not taking care of mental health, I guess you could say. Right. Depression rates are going up as high. Right. As well. So uh, just pray for people. I, I think that's the biggest thing. And I would just, I mean, I'll just leave it on that. That's really. actually my wife's um, biggest thing. When all this started, she's like, why isn't the church on their knees? praying for this uh, because at the time no one knew about the virus really you know Mm -hmm. they're like praying for the stand praying for the health praying for safety and praying for a quick resolution why aren't we doing that and today that's one of the biggest frustrating things she has with the church is that she still doesn't see the church on mass you know the big the big church doing that she sees individuals but it's like wow we need to get on our hands and feet we need to be taking this to the Lord. We need to be lifting this up because he can deliver us from the financial setbacks, the heartbreak, the pain, even loss for some people during this time. Um, That's the deliverance. That's our hope. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Almost definitely. Well, thank you so much. Um, If, uh, if you want to off the air, give me some resources, you know, that people, if they wanted to donate or give to, Um, I'll include them with the show notes. Okay. Okay, Most definitely. Okay. Everybody. Well, 
this has been an honor for me to have James on and I sure do appreciate it. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Please share this with others. We really do appreciate it. And uh, God bless you and have a beautiful day. Bye-bye.